Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thank you very much for joining us. We are rapidly coming up on Local Enterprise Week from the 4th to the 8th of March, which is proudly supported by us here on Red Business. There is loads of great content on Red Business in Focus with thanks to the Leo. That's available now on redfm.ie. But we're here to preview some of the events that are coming up. And one of those involves a lineup of panel and speakers covering key topics like cyber skills. Gillian O'Carroll is cyber skills lecturer at MTU. Gillian, how are you? How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, you are taking part in a webinar, which is on day one, which is Monday, March the 4th. Tell us a little bit about it. Great. Well, we're up uh, Monday afternoon, um, 2.30 to 4pm, and we're looking at cybersecurity risk for small business. So um, I suppose the the theme and the trend is that there are many, many things that small business owners can do to minimise their cyber risk without actually having to be a technical you know, expert. So we're going to look at those things and hopefully give businesses and small business owners uh, some tools to you know, take away with them and uh, minimise their risk. Now, I have to say there has been a significant ramp up in scary stories. I mean, as we are recording this, there's a big conversation about whether the Department of Foreign Affairs has been hacked. And, and you know, we're hearing it's an election year, so there's going to be lots of pressure on. We won't know what's fake and what's not. What can the average poor and fortunate business owner do to try and protect themselves in, in such a febrile environment? Well, I suppose, as you mentioned there, Jonathan, you know, the cyber risk comes at us. Um, whether we are a government department, whether we are just an individual user at home or whether you have a small business, you know, it doesn't um, discriminate. So, um, you know, there's there's many, many things we can do. Some of them are technical things like installing antivirus in our computers. But as a business owner, there are lots of kind of policies and procedures you can take and, and um, kind of work with to minimize your risk. So we're going to go through actually the top 10 tips for small business um, owners on Monday afternoon. So I don't know if you want to get into the detail of it now, but... Well, um, you know, don't give us the full 10. Give us the top three <laughs> if we can. We don't have time for the full 10. Okay. <laughs> well, if I had to pick top three, you're putting me on the spot there now, but um, I would be putting data backups uh, straight up there um, for small business owners because sometimes despite best efforts or maybe because of resource constraints, they won't have the best technical measures in place. So what you need to do is be ready that if you are hit with a cyber incident, that you can go to your backups and um, come back as quickly as you as you can. Right. Um, and, and how good are people at doing that? Because if you're running a business, you're completely and utterly involved in the business and you tend not to think about strange things like that until it's perhaps too late. I know. And, and we're all terrible at it, um, even as, you know, home users backing up our photos and our files, etc., so it's um, this is just one of the things that as a business owner, it is critical because um, you have to imagine coming in tomorrow morning and not being able to turn on your computer. Um, you have to kind of look down the tracks, what's gone, what can't you do? Um, and a lot of these things are solved by data backups. So the importance of having a secure backup and uh, we'll just go through a couple of points that are critical um, on Monday afternoon. But, you know, it can't be overstated. Do people mostly come after the event, Gillian? Uh, something has gone horribly wrong. My business is in trouble. Please help me. And and arguably, it's it's too late. The horse is bolted. Yeah, and lots of people can kind of patch together backups from different places. They might lose the last three months of data. They may get little pieces of different systems back. 
but that's not good enough, you know, and um, business owners, you know, they're under enough pressure besides having to kind of patch their business back together again. And a lot of the stuff they have is quite valuable, you know, customer lists and um, uh, invoicing um, details, etc. So, you know, this stuff is important to them and it's very easy to have a data backup a strategy in place. It's just a question of taking the time to do it. Mm. Um, right now, um, how key do you think small businesses are local enterprise week is is to raise awareness of every business but small businesses in particular i mean there just isn't that level of awareness unless they're in the space themselves uh, you know i think as even citizens we are we're fairly aware about cyber risk um but i think what puts business owners especially small business owners off is the idea that this is a technical solution you need to be an it expert you need to know about cybersecurity. Um, and that kind of puts us off. But, you know, you, there's a lot of things you can tackle just with your business sense. And, you know, small business owners are already good at that. They're already business people. Um, so I think just empowering yourself to to figure out some workarounds, understand where your risk is, you know, and just put a few um, pieces in place for yourself. So if you do have a cyber incident, uh, you know what you're doing and you're able to get up and running pretty quickly. Mm. Um, of course, the most important thing is that people attend the webinar. Um, and how how are things going in terms of getting people to go? It's free, like all the local enterprise office events, obviously. It's free. And um, we do have good sign up. So localenterprise.ie forward, forward um, slash Cork City. Um, and it's on the training events page and you can book straight on there. Okay, well, you won't uh, waste an hour by attending that, I can assure you, because if it does happen, uh, then you'll be looking for help pretty quickly. Gillian O'Carroll, Cyber Security Skills Lecturer at Munster Technological University. Thanks so much for joining us on Red Business, Gillian. Okay, thanks, Jonathan. Have a good day. Now, we're going to stay with Local Enterprise Week. And next up is someone who's going to be speaking at an in-person seminar. This is going to be at the Kingsley Hotel. And he is Colm Riley from OCO Global. Colm, how are you? How are you? I'm very well. Tell us a little bit about what you'll be speaking to people about. Uh, we're speaking about um, how SMEs from Ireland can start their exporting journey and the systematic approach that they need to take and the steps that are on that journey so that they not only can they export for the first time, but that they can export successfully and sustain that that exporting exercise for the future of the business. Okay, so how does somebody know that their product may or may not be suitable for export? Some obviously are, but some people might think it's going to work, but they're not sure. Yeah, so one of the first steps that a company has to do is to figure out, you know, is my product suitable for the export market or do I need to make modifications around it? And that's a, there's a process behind that and understanding what those standards might be or what modifications have need to be made. And we help them actually. And in the course of the seminar, we talk about the type of diagnostics you can do to understand not simply is the product uh, suitable for export, but to what markets it's suitable to export. And when you're making those decisions, you have to kind of accept some uncomfortable truths. Maybe what you think is brilliant might not work in Germany. Well, I think I think companies truthfully are accepting that uncomfortable truth all along, even in their own domestic market. Um, what you think is brilliant may not be what your customers want or they may want a variation of it. So this is a skill set that businesses have to get used to anyway. And what's important is that you understand what the market is saying back to you and that you're not presupposing in that what people ought to have as opposed to what they want to have. 
Mm. I suppose it's, it's it's a bit of a leap, isn't it, when you are trying to export to a market? Say if you've no background in that market, you don't understand, there are probably very common mistakes that people make. What are they? So obviously, the, one of the first mistakes people make is they assume all cultures are the same and all, all buying cultures are the same. Of course, we know intuitively that that's not true, but it is important to factor those in. Um, how Germans might buy a product differs very much from how the Italians might or how the Spanish and even within regions within countries, you see variations as well. So that's the first point. The second point that is, although we often think of markets as being homogeneous, i.e. we all accept the same standards, don't we? There can often be very important local variations around labeling or local standards that are important that have to be adhered to as well. So that's a, that's a second mistake. And the third thing that probably businesses really need to think about is how am I actually going to get my product there? If I use an electronic channel, how do I make sure that my product and stock makes it there safely? What labeling do I need? What type of paperwork do I need to get through it? So there are steps, but I, the, the comfort about all of this for SMEs is there's a well-beaten pathway to understanding how to connect all these things together. So it's not really as, as perhaps as daunting as it might sound when you hear it first. If you take a step-by-step -step approach, you can pretty much make sure you get it right each time. One of the great things about Local Enterprise Week is you get loads of different businesses from different backgrounds in the same room. And I'm presuming that you're going to have a veritable smorgasbord of SMEs listening to your conversation next week. How do you tailor a conversation to suit them all? Well, I think we're, we're fortunate in, in two respects. One is I won't be doing all the talking next week. We're going to have a number of businesses that are already successfully exporting from Cork actually present in the room and they're going to talk about their experiences and they come from a multitude of sectors so there'll be a bit for everybody else in that and the other thing is we're introducing some international buyers who are going to dial into the conference as well and I'm going to ask them some questions so that people can hear directly from the horse's mouth about what they look for when they're engaging with an Irish supplier so I think we'll try to cover pretty much all of the sectors and anybody who feels that their sector isn't being covered adequately, well, we'll take that up afterwards and deal with them directly. Okay. And the most important thing is it is another free seminar in this case, so you can actually attend this one. It's going to be on, on the Tuesday and people can find out all of the details on the website, localenterprise.ie forward slash Cork City. So looking forward to hearing what people gain from that particular exercise. Thank you very much for joining us. Colm Riley of OCO Global. Thank you. Travelling abroad can bring with it not only the benefits of experiencing another country and culture, but in the case of our next guest, also the development of skills that can help you with your career and your education. Julia Lyons is the co-founder of Easy City and EZC Study Abroad, and she's here to tell us all about it. Julia, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. It's lovely to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about Easy City. What are you doing with it? Right. So basically what we're doing is um, we do learning abroad programs for international students who are coming into Ireland and Spain. And to a lesser degree, we do some stuff in the UK and Italy as well. But our main operations are in Ireland and Spain. So we put together programs for students coming from all over the world. They could be coming from the US. I'm doing a lot of work with the US at the moment. They could be coming from Italy, Spain, Germany. We have a lot of students from Germany and their programs. Basically, they could be anything from language learning right up to uh, skills development. So some of them will be coming in on 
and third level. So, for example, from the US, we deal with a lot of third level students, uh, college students deal with their faculty and we devise short term programs based on whatever they're studying. So that might be, for example, you know, I'm working on ones at the moment. There's a criminal justice studies uh, group coming over. So we'll put together an eight day package for them where they will do everything from cultural visits related to the topic. So they'll visit Spike Island, Kilmainham Jail. They look at historical uh, sites related to criminal justice. And then we'll do talks with local faculty, maybe uh, talks with sector specific people, some uh, prison officers, guards, uh, solicitors, things like that. So they get a good understanding of the criminal justice system in Ireland and how that compares to to the one in the States. Um, And so it's very broad, you know, the types of programs that we do. It's everything like those type of um, study specific ones right through to learning, uh, language learning experiences. So we would have groups of students coming over from Spain and Germany doing maybe language learning in the morning. And then they might do internships or work experience in the afternoon with local businesses so they can get some customer facing experience and use their language skills, their English language skills. And so, um, yeah. It's a busy programme by the sounds of it. You cram a lot in. So it's not like you're coming for 12 months like you would do an Erasmus course. It's very focused by the sounds of it. Yeah, most of them are shorter term. The ones that we work on, most of them are shorter term. We would have some maybe eight week summer programs and things like that. A few longer ones, but mainly they're short term study programs. Yeah, short term uh, study programs. And then with most of our programs, I always try to put in some kind of a career element. I don't know if it's since becoming a parent myself. I'm very focused on, you know, kids are going out into the world and they're going to have to find jobs. So while it's really good to do an experience abroad, it needs to be a value. It's not, you know, it's a big undertaking for parents, for, for students to actually even be able to do this and send their child abroad to study or to do some kind of a learning experience or a work experience abroad. So we try and build in some seminars where they'll either have talks from local people um, who can, you know, business people, or if it's if I have a lot of females in the group, I'll say, right, let's get somebody to speak to them on female leadership and what that looks like. And then also we'll also do a workshop with them on how do you talk about your experience abroad when you go back? So a lot of the time we find and research has shown that students will go back and they'll say, oh, I had a great time when asked it was awesome it was amazing it was fantastic Mm. but they won't talk about it in in job speak naturally so they need to start practicing that they need to start talking about the skills you know i navigated a a, a city bus route in a different language for my first time and i managed to arrive at my work experience placement on time and you know all those kind of things so we we do we workshop that with them when they're here as well or when they're in ireland and, and spain as well Julia, this sounds to me like you had a bad experience abroad at one point and you realized there was a better way of doing it how did you come up with the idea um, well, not exactly, not entirely. I suppose when we started, and I can't believe we're we're celebrating twenty years this year. I can't actually believe that. I don't know where that time has gone. But um, when I, we started out, it was about more or less helping people coming in to Ireland. So we were doing things like translating their CV and doing interview prep in English, booking their language course courses with the, lang- the local language schools, and then finding setting about helping them to find housing. So then it kind of grew from there. And I suppose I did have an experience. I, I did go abroad in my. I was lucky enough when I was. In UCC to do an Erasmus year abroad in France and it was very difficult to find accommodation at the time because we hadn't gone through the campus accommodation. We decided we were going to be all independent and find an apartment by ourselves and we didn't realise how difficult that was to do in France um, when you were students and had no parents, French parents there to guarantee uh, that you wouldn't skip out on your rent. So um, maybe it, it came from that, maybe it stemmed from mm. that somewhere but um, but yeah, I had a great experience abroad myself and I uh, did an internship afterwards in Germany as well and honestly I just, you know, very passionate about the fact that students need to get out and do some kind of an experience abroad just okay. to 
you know, nowadays it's so important. I think. Well, p- parents will definitely agree with you that uh, it's a little bit more difficult for the current generation to find their way around. Uh, I don't know whether that's a generational thing or not. So I, I could see the logic of it. But then you've set up EZC Study, uh, which is, uh, is it a US sister company to complement Easy City? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it, we were thinking about going into the US kind of market for a number of years and we had just started right before our friend COVID. And so that kind of took the legs out from under it for a little while. But then um, 2021, we kind of took a, decided we'd, we'd make a stab at it again. And so I spend a lot of my time. I'm over here most of the time now, actually um, working from here, doing basically developing relationships with universities. So um, they do a lot of sending their students abroad, not as much as they would like. Actually, there's only about there's less than 1% of US college students study abroad and they're really trying to increase that target. Um, and particularly, I found a, a renewed passion for it even over here because it is so important for American students to get outside of America and to study abroad or to learn abroad, do an internship, do some kind of a cultural program abroad just to engage with other cultures outside of their own because they are quite isolated. And I don't think I fully understood that until I moved over here and and really, you know, was in this environment. Okay, well, it's a brilliant company and it's a brilliant expansion. And here's hoping we see lots more students coming over here, benefiting not just in Cork, but all across Ireland and right around Europe and to the US. Uh, Julia Lines, the website is Easy City. That's easy with a Z, easycity.com. Julia, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks so much, Jonathan. It's a pleasure. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, Red Business and Focus, with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices, is up and running right now at our website. That's our video series on redfm.ie. She for Clear was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.